Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Pym. Now, what I usually do on the Bedpost Podcast is I get fun and sexy guests into the studio to have a in-depth conversation about sex and sexuality with me. Um, today, you're getting a bit of a Frankenstein episode. We will, in fact, have a guest for the first half. My good friend Laura Bailey is in the studio talking about her new uh, fringe Toronto play, Clitoria, a sex-positive superhero, uh, the musical. And then I have uh, the Sissy Kit giveaway. Um, I'm going to handle that kind of midway through the episode, redo some of the submissions of the final two, and then we're going to make a decision about that. And then, last but not least... I am doing a Patreon preview for you all. So um, I'm going to air for the second half of this episode a a past Patreon episode. So you're going to see what um, my Patreon episodes look like. And, you know, if you like that, then hopefully you will... Hit me up and uh, hit that hit that donation button at Patreon.com/slash/TheBedPostShow. So, without further ado, I take you to my fantastic interview with Laura Bailey. Um, I have somebody who's working on a fantastic project right now, and I'm very excited to have them here in the house. Uh, this is literally my house. <laughs> Literally in my house. Uh, It's a very nice home. Thank you, Laura. (laughs) No, really. There's a cuddle man on the couch that I'm really excited about. Yeah, there's a big cuddle man here. Uh, (laughs) And and the soothing soothing tones that you're hearing is singer-songwriter, comedic performer, Laura Bailey. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It was my absolute pleasure. Yes, I should let the audience know I'm a little bit sick. So this is why my voice is so... Kathleen Turner-esque? Yeah, a little Kathleen Turner. You know, I asked for her haircut once, and the woman didn't know who she was. She was very young. Oh. I know. It's a shame. <laughs> did you get out Get out the Googles? She did, because she's a professional. Oh, nice. I'll leave it to them. <laughs> I'm paying you to do this. You can look her up. How did the cut go? Was it went it? well. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Good, I'm glad. So why you are here today, um, I mean, you're just a lovely person and I'm happy to have you on the podcast. Oh, Regardless, thank you. you're, you're welcome, regardless thank of what you're working on, but you are working on a really fun uh, yes. thing for the Toronto Fringe. Yes, there is a reason why I'm here. <laughs> yes, we are specifically, we're going to talk about other things, but yes. um, I wanted, I, I'm very excited to see your show and thank it's you. so up my alley and up the alley of the whole, everything I do at Bedpost, so I want to have you on to definitely talk about that. Um, Amazing. Well, I, I have to say, people like you and Lady Henry and, 
and people who I follow online, you're a big part of the reason why this show exists because I've been so inspired by the work that you guys do and what I see online. I really think that, you know, sex workers like you guys are superheroes and that's part of the aesthetic of the show. Oh, yeah. That said, yeah. what is the show called? Okay. It's amazing. The title, <laughs> the title, it's everything. Let's talk about the title. The title. The title is Clitoria, a sex positive superhero. And then in brackets, the musical. <laughs> it's a lot. It's great. It feels like it was put together by a Google algorithm. Of like, what are all the things people want? Yeah. But honestly, I just wrote the show from the perspective of like, what would I want to see? What are all the things that I am interested in? And let's put them together and yeah. make a show. Sex. Sex. Positivity. Sex positivity. Superheroes. Science. Musicals. Musicals! <laughs> so why don't you tell me a little bit about um, where, you know, where you got the idea to write this and what you were, um, you just mentioned briefly what you're inspired by, but just like, tell me about where this, where this whole thing came from where with you. Where this came from? Where, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, obviously it came from um, a weird place. Uh, so... <laughs> So, a couple of things were happening at the same time. Um, my my uh, former husband and I, well, we're still technically married, we're separated now, but we were going through some changes in our relationship that led us to want to explore uh, polyamory. Oh, yes, I'm aware of the polyamory. Yes, yeah. you might be familiar. I'm a little familiar with it, yes. Um, and uh, I was looking to explore my sexuality um, I also, uh, this was at a time when, um, the Ford government was scrapping, uh, the 2015 sex ed curriculum. Yeah. And that was a real, can I swear on this? It was a real, yes, you can. M- thank you. It was a bit of a mind fuck for me, yeah. um, to be experiencing my own sexual renaissance at a time when the province was going into this sort of sexual dark ages. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of where... And then, of course, I, I had had the idea to write uh, a one-woman musical for a while. This is not a one-woman musical, but that was the idea at first. And I thought about it, and I probably, like, a year went by, and I just didn't have, like, an idea. I mean, I wrote, a, like, a couple of outlines of things. But then I, I went to this one-woman show, and, and I saw this girl, and she was great, and... Um, I asked her how she did it, and she said, I honestly just applied to festivals, and then I have to do it. Yeah, because you have the deadline. Because I have the deadline, yeah, and it's yeah. not just some pie-in-the-sky idea that I never make time for. Yeah. So um, that's what I did. Yeah. I applied to the Toronto Fringe. It was $29 to apply. <laughs> that's a deal. Yeah, so I'm like, <laughs> I got $29 to put towards this fucking dream. Um, so I, I applied, and... Lo and behold, got I got in. It's a fucking lottery, right? Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like you get chosen based on merit or... Yeah, you haven't made anything yet, <laughs> technically. I, I applied with no show. I applied with literally nothing. With yeah. Zero yeah. done. Yeah. Zero thought of, other than, like, I want to do a um, show. Yeah. And so, once I got in, I was like, holy fuck, well... All right, so I have to write about whatever is going on yeah. in my life. Yeah, what to, do I have to draw from right now? Yeah, yeah. what what can I, <laughs> what creatively, yeah, yeah what, what can I be using right now? Yeah. Because I literally have, how long did you have to write it? 
Uh, I wrote the whole thing in nine months. Like yeah. ba- No, sorry. I had nine months until... From Genesis to the show going up is yeah. nine months. Yeah. Wow. I finished yeah. it... I started in November and I finished it in March. Yeah. With the majority of that happening over the March break. <laughs> at my friend's mom's cottage. Thank you, Sue Ward. She made me a whole bunch of food. <laughs> and I stayed there for a week. And, and she just, just wrote. took care of me. And I just wrote. And I... I had written... Like, I had the outline... Um, I worked with a fantastic dramaturge, Matt McGeechee, who is at the Factory Theater, mm-hmm. um, and he helped me come up with the outline, and then uh, I just sort of went from there. Yeah. But you're no stranger to uh, to songwriting, to singing. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit of your background. Uh, with, sure. With, yeah. With My the, checkered past? Yes, your checkered, your <laughs> musically checkered <laughs> past. Because you've done Bed Post a bunch, and it's usually musical stuff. Usually musical comedy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's in your wheelhouse. It's not just like you. Yes. You know. So to give you a little bit of an idea, so I've been writing songs since I was an angsty 12-year-old. That's my background. I did did like a a YouTube series called Stories to Songs, where I wrote songs each week and and recorded them in videos uh, based on people's... um, stories or submissions that they would send to me about some story in their life. Awesome. Um, a lot of times people did not send me anything, so I had to go searching for it. So I did like Craigslist misconnections, <laughs> people's Facebook posts. <laughs> like I just went looking for stuff. That's fun. If it seemed personal and pathetic enough, I was like, yes, I'll write a song about this. Because <laughs> that's what I relate to. Um, but yeah, so I did that. Uh, I've been songwriting almost all my life. I've been singing almost all my life. Um, most recently I was in the acapella group Countermeasure and we recorded a full length album and we toured Europe and that was great. What an amazing musical experience that was. Uh, everyone in that group is just a monster musician. Nice. Um, so that was fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, and of course I, I know you, um, I met you through Matt because he and I have been doing comedy in Toronto for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was an improviser. I did the Second City Conservatory. I did all kinds of things uh, that no one would do. And I, <laughs> um, I did Chickaboom. I yes. was a, a co-host and producer of Chickaboom for three years. We did The Fringe in 2013. That's the last uh, time I, I did something. I produced a Toronto Fringe. Um, so I've been doing all of these things, right? And I guess for me, part of the idea of doing this is, um, so the world tends to reward the specialist, (laughs) right? You get really good at one thing and then you progress at that and then you find success and whatever, right? Um, (laughs) that's the story. (laughs) That's the formula. Sure. That's the fairy tale. But I, I guess I just got kind of concerned that that would never happen for me because I was, my focus was so split and I was so into so many different things and I was interested by so many different things. Um, and I'm not particularly the best at any of them because I divide my focus. You know, I'm not the best songwriter of all time. I'm not the best singer. I'm not the best improviser. I'm not the best writer. But I'm probably the only one crazy enough to do them all at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Like I've seen you do solo musical improv sets. So it's like a 15 minute set mm-hmm. where you are playing all the characters it's all music. It's all made up. Like, mm-hmm. it's insane, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane what you do. Thank you. Um, it is insane. And I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I'm not comfortable at any time. I just want that to be clear. 
I always assume it's going to go badly. Um, but that's, I guess, where the fun comes from. Yeah. Yeah. The risk factor. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, like, you know, jump out of a plane. <laughs> like, I'm not someone who's going to swim with the sharks. But I'll get on stage with zero plan. Wow. And, and try to entertain an audience. Yeah. Musically. In whatever way. <laughs> Whatever way I can. Yeah, I mean, I guess I wouldn't eat worms. You know. You wouldn't? No. No. That's the, your hard limit, your one limit. That's my... <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one thing. I will not eat worms. That's the thing. I do not need to do that for attention. We all have our morals, mm. so yes. <laughs> so, okay, um, then what is, what is the show about then? So you gave us a, a little bit of an idea where it came from. Mm-hmm. So who is Clitoria and what is she up to? <laughs> Clitoria lady. Okay, so Clitoria. <laughs> Clitoria is um, the alter ego, isn't the sexual alter ego oh. of um, a, a high school science teacher named Marianne. And Marianne is a, a sexually repressed um, person. Uh, she is a closeted kinkster, but she is in a relationship with a very uh, square guy who is also, uh, you know, he's not he's not really able to give her what she needs, and uh, and he you know proposes to her, and and she um, has to deal with the conflict of like loving this man, um, and also um, and also feeling like her needs aren't being met in this monogamous relationship. Yeah. So, um, she tries to create a serum to get rid of her kink and to get rid of her sexual desires, but the cat pees in it and it has the opposite effect. Great. It turns her into Clitoria, who is her sexual it. Yes. It's just everything that she wants out loud all the time. Yeah. No regrets, no compromises, no shame. Um, and she goes out and gets what she wants. She's getting it. Yep. Yeah. So get a girl. And so it's sort of about, (laughs) right. Yeah. So it's sort of about what are the consequences on Marianne's life to have a, to Clitoria's actions and to what are the consequences of sexual liberation? What are the consequences of having this, this sexual empowerment? Uh, if you have been living a quote unquote normal life, like what does that look like? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a show about shame. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's a show about, it's as much of it as, as it is about liberation. It's also about um, relationships. I knew that this needed to be grounded in a relationship. And that's why it's not a one-woman show. Yeah. Uh, I knew there needed to be another person <laughs> involved. <laughs> um, so it's about, like, how do we find our freedom while also, you know, Not sort of, trampling all over everybody else's freedoms. Not yeah. trampling all over everyone else. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, sex is a, uh, a conversation between two people. It's not just about you. Yeah, it requires the consent of both parties or all parties involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even if, you know, it, it, like if you're going to approach someone and be like, I want this, 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 this then you should expect to have to pay for that, right? Like, you can't just be like, I just want what I want and I don't care about, you know, you know, you or what you want to do. I mean, even with a sex worker, you have to care about what they want to do, right? Yeah, they, so, a sex worker has boundaries and limits and... Yes. Uh, yeah, if I'm, say literally, you know, you're paying for it, like you're literally like, here's my laundry list. And yeah. I'm like... And I'm like, great, I can do four of those things for you. Right. So there you go. Yeah. Exactly. Again, I'm 
still, you know, sex workers are still people and still have input into what happens, even though we're in customer service and we're here for you and right on and on and on. But right. it's like, yeah, it's still a conversation. It's still a conversation all yes. the time. Yeah. And so sex is always that. So it's, yeah. it's sort of about... Or always like, should be that. It always should be that. Yeah. Um, so Clitoria is kind of like... Um, she's kind of like the Hulk in that way. Like, she's just <laughs> part of Marianne's subconscious that suddenly comes alive and uh, is out there and is, um, I want to say, a little destructive. Yeah. But very seductive. <laughs> and, uh, seductive, and totally... Seductive, destructive. Yeah. Seductive like... and destructive. <laughs> seductive yet destructive. Yes. I think that's my new tagline Ooh. for my Dom account, my Dom Twitter. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Please quote me in the yeah, show. I'll credit you. Yeah, I'll credit you, don't worry. I'll link you. Great. Um, thank you, thank you. Yes. Yeah, but this is a very... Yeah, that's a very... Um, relatable topic when we talk about shame surrounding sex Mm -hmm. right like did you growing up was that something you battled with or dealt with absolutely yeah me too yeah so um my parents i mean i think it's safe to say came from a very homophobic household okay uh, very conservative not christian or religious or anything just like a conservative household yeah um and we didn't really talk about sex ever yeah and, um, like, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I remember when I, uh, when my mom, you know, I didn't, she didn't even find my birth control pills. I just told her mom, like, just so you know, these are in my bedside table in case you find them. And she like freaked out. Yeah. Um, so like it was, and, and like, I'm bisexual, mm-hmm. excuse me. So I didn't, um, I didn't want to face that when I was growing up, like, because I'm bisexual, it was really easy for me to just sort of, like, be heteronormative. Yeah. Um, and to just, like, shut off that other part of myself and be like, well, you don't need that. You're not that. If you do that, then you are that. So don't do that. Um, and we'll be fine. And we'll be fine. Uh- <laughs> Ignore it. Just, just don't look at it. Yeah. Just, just don't. Look away. <laughs> It's true, though. It's so true. Like, yeah. a lot of, yeah, a lot of bi folks can present straight, right? Yes. Um, you know, if you're in a, if you're a femme-presenting person in a relationship with a mask-presenting person, right. people see straight. Right. People see a straight couple. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, like, it's So you also... can easily hide in that if you need to or want to. Like, it's easy to be, you know, a bi or pan person if you're dating someone of the opposite sex to hide in that. Yeah, yeah, and it comes with a privilege that makes things so much easier. Yeah. Right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, why, like, if you can, it, it makes sense that someone would do that, right? Yeah, sure. And that's why there's not as many, like, that's why I think people are calling for more bi-visibility now and yeah. why bisexuality is, is you know, um, becoming more of a, a, a thing. People are... are you know, talking on social media about their bisexuality. I think there's now like a bisexuality visibility day on yes. Facebook and social media. There is. Um, yes. I think yeah. it's becoming more of a thing that people are saying like, Hey, I'm bi. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of shame around that stuff. I also didn't lose my virginity till I was 21. Um, and like, I didn't, I didn't really know anything about sex and, uh, yeah, I didn't know anything about consent. 
Um, the person I lost my virginity to was not respectful. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of weird memories about that. But ultimately, it was because I didn't know how to have these conversations. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he was probably pretty much a dick, too. But Oh, yeah. 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 He was a dick. Yeah. Um, oh, my first, like, three boyfriends were total fucking douchebags. Like, oh, yeah. Complete <laughs> fucking asshole douchebags, yeah. And, like, yes, I chose them and, you know, consented, consented to enter into the relationship. But, sure. But, you know, the, the bare minimum of, like, being in some sort of, as we were saying before, like, a conversation. Yeah. You know, where you have input. Yeah. The very bare minimum of my uh, side of that conversation. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is another thing that we're kind of, um, you know, cultured to, uh, like, as growing up as women, Mm -hmm. you know, that's another thing we're taught, like, that learned behavior. Yeah, and I think that's a huge part of what rape culture is. Yeah. Is it's not just about, you know, boys be raping. It's about, like, not teaching girls... That they have a voice. That they have a voice, that they can have these conversations, that they can say no, that they have this power. And it comes from conditioning. Yeah. It comes from how, you know, your parents and your community supported you in using your voice. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it's it's still something I struggle with. And it's still something I'm learning and trying to get better at all the time. Um, Advocating for yourself. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, But it's, it's, it's a huge part of what rape culture is. It's, it's not just about the physical aspect of rape. It's about like the mindset that everyone has towards consent. Yeah. Yeah. That guys have more space than we do. And that's just what everybody accepts. Right. And we all say okay to that every day. Right. Yeah. And every, in every interaction. Right. Yeah. Media, everything, everything, literally everything. (laughs) Literally our, our culture. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, obviously clitoria is one way of, of taking up, of my way of taking up a little more space for awesome. myself is literally writing myself into the role of a superhero yeah, yeah. of sex. Yeah. Um, which is, as it turns out, a tall order. <laughs> it's a lot of work, actually, being a superhero of sex fun. Yeah? Is yeah. It? Uh-huh. <laughs> Mm. But anyway, this is what I do to myself, as yes. you know. Yes. I put myself into these situations. You do, yes. I do. <laughs> Look what you've gotten yourself into this time. Yeah. 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 But um yeah, I'd love to continue the the topic of shame because mm-hmm. that's it's so true. So you you felt um about your bisexuality. Mm-hmm. Um and did you also feel um on top of that like shame surrounding like your general general like sex, like having sex, even with men, was that something that you... Yeah, I mean, um, certainly, so a lot of the shame that I was feeling, certainly around the time that I wrote this, was um, around the polyamorous stuff in my relationship as well. It was something that I asked for, and it was something that I initially had more success with, and because of that, there was an imbalance in my relationship, and that led me to feel shameful even though I was enjoying my experiences. Yeah, and your partner's like, consenting to it. And my partner's consenting to it. Yeah. It was also something that I, I also felt guilty about. Sure. Um, because it wasn't being equally shared for a long time um, until it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah, it's that, tough. That, yeah, that happens. That's, yeah. 
Because you're not always going to have the same amount of stuff going on. Right. Yeah. And that's just life. Like, right. You know, and it's, yeah, I think when we romanticize polyamory and we think of, you know, oh yeah, I think I can do that. You think of like, okay, they have a boyfriend and you have a girlfriend and you know, and you both have like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I could do that. We both have a thing going on. Yeah. But you don't think about the times when, uh. You know, okay, what if they do have something going on and you have literally nothing? Right. And, you know, they're out having fun dates and doing <laughs> stuff and you're like at home with your dog, you know? It's like, right. How is that going to feel though? Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Or like, hey, can you uh, do the dishes again tonight because I'm going out? Yeah. Like, it's, you yeah. know, um, it, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, and- yeah. And that, like, those nuanced conversations I feel like aren't had. You know, we like publicly, you know, um, in the, you know, public kind of view of polyamory, it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's very cookie cutter, just like monogamy is, because that's what people understand, Mm -hmm. you know, so they want to think, okay, yes, polyamory looks like this. Right. But the whole thing with polyamory is that there isn't a script. That's Mono- right. Monogamy, there pretty much is a script, or there at least is a script that we've been fed, right? Yeah. People know what monogamy is. Right. Um, even though it can look a few different ways. But for polyamory, they want to do the same thing with it. Right. You know, but it can't be done. <laughs> it can't be done. And, you know, there's so many different ways of looking at it. And one thing that I really hated, and I don't know if you got this, um, when I started dating uh, men in particular uh, in a poly context, was that they would just, like, single men would have a lot of questions about yes. polyamory. Yeah, suddenly you're the advocate. You're yeah. The, you're the, yeah. Yeah, where it's like, so what if this happens? You know, what if you get jealous? What if, you know, you both want to do this? Like, like they would just, you know, um, I can't think of, like, a good example. But some of these were like, I feel like this is a really personal question. Yeah. Like, you're basically asking me, about all the possible scenarios in which my relationship fails and, like, crashes and burns. Yeah, and and fuck you. (laughs) And who are you, anyway? Like, why? Yes, yes. So, yeah, so you know I'm Polly, so you think that gives you uh, consent to ask me about my all my relationships. Yeah. And it doesn't. No. You know, I, like, I can, if you ask my consent, like, oh, hey, I'm just curious about a couple things, like, would you, you know, cause I'm new to it or whatever. Right. Um, would you mind if I asked you a couple questions just about like your relationship dynamics? Then you could be like, no, I don't have space for that time for that energy for that right now. And right. I don't like you or know you or whatever. Right. Or you can be like, sure, I'll answer a couple questions. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's the good conversation to have. Yes. About yeah. asking questions about polyamory. Yeah. But that's that never happens. It's no. like oh, you're Polly. Oh, really? So what does your husband think when you're blah blah blah? blah? And it's yeah. like, when when did I say I wanted to talk about that? <laughs> how how did you think you have permission to ask me shit about my personal life? About my personal life? About my sex life with my husband? About like who the fuck? Are you? <laughs> honestly, quite honestly, who the fuck are you? Yeah, it's really annoying. I'm like. I don't, I don't know what to say. To the, I'm, at a certain point, I was like, I need you to go Google polyamory yes, and then you. get back to me. Because I'm not the expert. I'm not going to explain this to you anymore. Yeah. You yeah. Know? No. Yeah. And also, I don't have... Sometimes I don't fucking have the answers for those things. Like, no. Because either that's not, you know, 
that's yeah. not d- stuff that I deal with. Like, that's not my type of polyamory. Yeah. Um, anyways, or, you know. It's like yeah. if I ask you, how do you do monogamy? I mean, don't you ever want to fuck other people? Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. What if anytime someone was like, yeah, I have a husband uh, and we're in a monogamous relationship where we're like, really? Yeah. So tell me, like, yeah, yeah like, no one would ever do that. No, no. polyamorous person would ever do that. No. So why are you, you doing that to Because us? nobody wants to answer that shit with you. <laughs> exactly. Maybe Maybe they do want to fuck other people yeah. and it's a problem. Like, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's so true. And, and you know what? That's one of the reasons why I generally like stay within the like poly community mm-hmm. um, for it's my so dating because you don't have to talk about <laughs> polyamory because you all know yeah like yeah you do have to talk about it because we sure. all do things differently and you need to know where sure. you know where you're gonna fit in and, and you know how to work with the other person's brand of particular brand of polyamory but yeah. like in general <laughs> you all get it yes and those basic 101 questions you don't need to have you can just skip all that yeah Exactly. However, it's a, something I'm battling with right now. It kind of is a small community. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, no one here excites me. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> like at all. Like, oh, at I know. all. <laughs> I'm like, so really? now, yeah, I'm at the point where I'm like, I might just don't, I join a regular dating app. <laughs> How about that? I might just take a cooking class. I might see who I meet. Yeah, I might just like not only do poly, kinky, you know, sex positive circles. Like, yeah, it's a small group. I it's mean, a small group, especially in Guelph, where yeah. I'm from. Yes, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're the like. There's a so I, I joined something called the Guelph Polyamory Hangouts. Cool. Um, and so I, I that's where I met my current boyfriend. Cool. Um, his wife runs that group. And it's been really great, but, like, I think... Actually, Guelph is, like, a hotbed of polyamory. Is it? I don't know if you're aware. I'm not. But in Guelph, if you go on a date with someone, yeah. you actually have to ask them if they're poly or not. Great! Because oh, I love so that. so many people are. Yeah. Awesome. And, like, monogamous people complain about this. Love that. <laughs> I know. Really flip the script. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I love monogamous people. They're great. Um, Just don't pretend to be poly. (laughs) That's all I ask. That's a fair ask. (laughs) (laughs) Like, if you're monogamous, then what the fuck are you talking to me for? Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Why are you you barking up my tree? Yeah, please. Yeah. Because. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is so relevant to my life, but... I can't say more. No. <laughs> um, how about, okay. do we want to bookend this by talking about your show and uh, what's happening? Sure. With the dates, some stuff like that? Sure. Yeah? Um, so the show, Clitoria, a sex positive superhero, the, the musical. musical. <laughs> um, I'm very excited about it. It's directed by Chris Wilson, who uh, runs Toronto Musical Concerts, um, and stage managed by Justine Cargo, and they have both been complete lifesavers in this whole process. I am so thrilled with everyone who's working on this, because they have all made it so much more than I ever thought possible, and I'm very blessed, hashtag blessed, to have them all involved. 
Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. I'm so excited to perform it. Um, so it's going up uh, at the Toronto Fringe, which runs July 3rd to 14th. Right. Um, we're playing at the Theater Pass Mariah Main Space. Nice. Um, tickets go on sale June 6th. We have a 185-seat theater. Nice. <laughs> because that's what we needed for our technical requirements. So, bring your friends, bring your wife, bring your grandma. Bring your girlfriends. Bring your girlfriends. Bring all your kinky people, all your slutty people, all your poly people, all your LGBT people, everybody. Bring everybody. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a very, uh, I think you're going to like it. Um, it's going up at the Theater Pass Mariah Main Space. Uh, July 3rd to 14th. The times and dates are random fringe times and dates, which yeah. I do not have off the top of my head. Yeah. But if you um, go to my website, laurabaileymusic.com, you will see uh, the posting and the list of all that. If you want to add me on Facebook, Laura Bailey. Also, my Instagram is at Laura Bailey Music, and my Twitter is at the underscore Laura Bailey. So if you go to any of those, you will find uh, the dates and times uh, on the poster that we have put up. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what's happening there. Mm-hmm. We have a venue walkthrough tomorrow morning that I'm excited about. Um, and uh, oh yeah, so the cast is myself, is Clitoria, uh, Matthew Bradley, who is an amazing uh, musical theater performer based in Toronto, Jada Rifkin and Ursula Manfred um, are the chorus, and uh, I'm just super excited about everything. Alrighty, and that is just about where my interview with Laura ends. So in a moment, I'm going to take you to our fun uh, giveaway from the Sissy Kit. So stay tuned for that. It's happening right now little bit of housekeeping to do. I have two fantastic finalists for my sissy kit giveaway and um, both of these people didn't mind if I read their stories on air. So I, uh, what I've been doing for the past month is uh, getting submissions of your most embarrassing masturbation mishaps. So uh, I've had a lot of fun reading these emails I must say. <laughs> And um, I've I've narrowed it down to two. So I'm going to decide right now um, between these two stories. So let's see. Here is the first one. It is by Anna. So here we are. She says, the year is 2004. It is my first year of college at George Brown, which is a college uh, here in Toronto. I was a fresh 18 and still exploring myself and my sexuality, though I had known since I was 12 that I was at the very least bisexual. One day after class, I decided to join some guys for a beer at Fillmore's. No big deal. It wasn't my first strip club. This one particular late afternoon, there was a sexy, sexy gal dancing. (laughs) Two sexies. And I guess my buddies took notice because they paid for her to give me a lap dance. I nearly came when she grinded on my leg. (laughs) That's amazing. I blushed the entire time. She was gorgeous. She was cocoa, sweet, and petite. So I guess she's a person of color. (laughs) I needed some release. Oh my. So once the song ended, I left. 
jumped on the train to Union Station and stopped at a gateway newsstand for two things, a bottle of water and a hustler. Oh my. I lived in Oakville at the time, so I had to jump on the go. I was lucky enough to get a corner seat by the window on the top floor. I, I squirmed past first station, then the next. I needed to get myself off. Oh, goodness. So I grabbed the hustler out of my knapsack, wrapped a textbook around it, casually placed my bag on my lap, and scanned the people around me. No one seemed to notice me. The dude directly in front of me, oh my god, there's someone right in front of me, <laughs> looked asleep, okay, in his hoodie. I sneakily put my hand down my pants and proceeded to slowly flick my bean, oh my god, keeping my bag on me the whole time. I read every sexy story, devoured every photo with my eyes. I was nervous, excited. I could get caught reading this smut while I uh, got myself off on the train at any moment. Close to the point of climax, I hear from behind me, tickets! Fuck. My ticket was in the opposite pocket of my free hand. <laughs> the dude was in front of me. Uh, the dude in front of me woke up and I could tell that he knew what I was doing. Oh, goodness. He coyly smiled as I reached my hand out... <laughs> <laughs> then back into my pocket. I tried my best to wipe my mess. Oh, dirty girl. As I grabbed the ticket, but I was unlucky. I still had some sticky mess still on my fingers and now on the ticket. The go employee didn't notice. The other two passengers sitting didn't notice. Just the guy in front of me. I sheepishly put the ticket in my pocket and my books in my bag, had a sip of water, then pressed my face to the window, almost as if trying to escape. <laughs> How embarrassing. I could feel the eyes of the guy in front of me just staring away. He knew. We finally arrived at Oakville Station, and the hoodie guy got off at the same stop. Even worse, he took the same bus north. As he got off at the stop before me, he slipped me his phone number! my god. I never called him. Oh, too bad. But I did notice him often after that day going to and from school. He was a George Brown student too. Good story, Anna. Oh my god, this for sure is a contender. Um, this kind of reminds me of a story, an erotica story I wrote back in the day of a girl getting off like on a bus under her winter jacket. Um, I like it a lot. It's definitely a contender. Alrighty, and the second story in contention for the win of the sissy kit. This is from Cesario. So here we are, yes. I am a trans man that started taking testosterone at age 15. One effect of taking tea I was unprepared for was that the first year or so on it, I would get incredibly horny for no apparent reason. In brackets, oh, puberty. One time this happened while I was in my high school history class. I just got this intense feeling of sexual energy and desire that was completely new to me. I decided to deal with this by seeing if I could go masturbate in a school bathroom. <laughs> I also wrote an erotica story, something like this. Uh, that's hilarious. Okay, I went in and the men's room was empty, so I decided to just get it over with quickly. I had never masturbated outside of my bedroom before, and I was so nervous about it. I decided that if anyone came in, I would stop immediately and no one would know. 
smart person. I jacked off in the stall and kind of got lost in my own head. Uh Oh, (laughs) I was brought back to reality by a loud bang on the stall door. Jesus. Apparently, someone came in and was trying to check if the stall was available by banging on the metal door really loudly. It scared the shit out of me. I just froze there in the stall, not even getting the strength to say occupied or any kind of response at all. (laughs) I felt terrified and so embarrassed, even though he probably didn't know what I was doing. Thankfully, the other person left the bathroom quickly after finding the stall locked. My heart was pounding, but I went back to rubbing one out (laughs) until I was done. Hey, good for you. Persistence. When I finished masturbating, I went to go wash my hands. To my surprise, a boy I had a crush in walked into the bathroom. Seeing him right after I had came made me so anxious in a very teenaged way that I felt like I was melting. After saying hi to him, in brackets, pretending I wasn't dying on the inside, I went back and spent the rest of history class experiencing a mix of supreme embarrassment and a pleasant afterglow. (laughs) Not my brightest moment, but certainly a memorable one. My goodness, thank you, Cesario. That is uh, also a fantastic story. Okay, so what do we think here? Basically, two public masturbation stories, you know, one is happening on the go train on the way to Oakville with someone, I I kind of think I like Anna's story a little better. It's a little riskier because there is someone directly across from her, whereas Cesario's whole situation here, um, yes, someone potentially kind of walked in the bathroom and could hear them at some point. I gotta, I gotta give it to Anna. She was masturbating <laughs> on a go train with someone sleeping directly across from her and other people. She mentioned there were other people around her and then also the go train dude walking around. <laughs> so, so Anna, congratulations, my dear. You have won uh, our sissy kit giveaway. And finally, for the last portion of this episode, here is a sneak peek at what a Bedpost Patreon episode looks like. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to the Patreon bonus episode numero assiso. That's number six if you don't speak gibberish. I'm your host, Aaron Pem, and um, what you get for the Patreon episodes are a little half hour solo apps. So I've got another um, fun one for you today. It's basically a hot take episode. Today I have, um, I mean, like when I'm recording this, I'm going to, it's going to come out way later. Um, however, if you are interested in the event that I'm going to be speaking of, they happen twice a year, so there will be another opportunity for it. But, um, you know, even though I've got a couple episodes in the bank waiting for your precious ears to listen to, I, uh, thought it was important and and would be fun and would be interesting for me to talk about 
the lovely event that I worked at today at the Ritual Chamber as a pro-dom. And it is called Around the World of Kink. Now, you may have heard me speak before. I think I did a Patreon episode on it. If not, it was just included kind of in the regular episodes. Um, a party at the Ritual Chamber around Christmas time that I worked. It was their, like, XXX miss or kink miss. Something, something sexy and Christmassy uh, combined. Where... Uh, there were, you know, a bunch of people coming for a party and that they could purchase 10 minutes with one of the lovely house doms at the ritual chamber for $10. So $10 for 10 minutes, which is a fucking fantastic deal. It allows you to like get time with, you know, pro doms that you may not be sure about whether you want to book them or not. You don't know, uh, you know, how you're vibing or whatever. And it also gives you an opportunity to try out a kink that, you know, maybe a new kink or a lot of people just come in. They're like, I don't know what I want to do. <laughs> and they kind of have these little mini sessions with the pro doms and they do something different with each dom. And they kind of get a taste of, you know, that dom's like specialty. So I had one of these lovely events today. I worked it from one to four, a three hour long event at the ritual chamber. And uh, we've already planning, uh, we, we already have in the planning in the works that this is going to happen again next fall. So there you go. But I'm going to tell you about this one, because it was super duper fun. Basically, I ended up doing like 10 mini sessions or more than 10 mini sessions, which is a lot. However, I did get some some nice social time as well in there. So, you know, between social time and mini sessions, I was a busy little gal at this party. One thing that was very nice was I knew a bunch of the attendees uh, via either me uh, working with them like in a private session. There was one person, two people uh, where that was the case. Other people were like friends of mine that I've played with before, which was lovely. And another person I've performed with at one point as well. So... It was really nice when I think about like how it was different than the Christmas party, which I did the Christmas party like at the very beginning of me starting to work at the ritual chamber. And I didn't know the doms very well. I didn't know the subs very well. Like it was all very new. And this time, you know, I was a lot more comfortable. And it was you know, like the ritual chamber is like my home away from home now. Like I feel very comfortable in the space and I knew half the people there. And, um, you know, I just have like a lot more experience under my belt at this point, especially when I compare it to that Christmas party. So all those things made this a very different experience for me. I ended up doing like a variety of scenes. My first scene that I was booked to do was a, oh my God, I'm so brain dead. Also, after you do that many, many sessions and you're being super social and super on, 
I just I feel exhausted. <laughs> so there's that downside of um, choosing to do a hot take episode after this particular party. Because I'm just like, I'm not like, I didn't have like top job or anything like that. But I definitely was like, oh, I need a meal like right after. And then I after I in a hot shower did that. Love that as aftercare for myself. And then um, after I ate the meal, I was like, oh, want nap. But I pushed through it um, (laughs) because a nap would fuck me up. So, okay, think, Aaron, think. Yes, the first couple scenes I did, I did two flogging scenes, which was lovely. One was like, not suspended, but their wrists were bound uh, from like the overhead setup that we have. Oh my God. I cannot even think of words right now. The thing that hangs from the ceiling (laughs) that you can attach people's hands to. Yeah, that. So one of them (laughs) was kind of in the middle of the dungeon, um, doing a flogging scene. He was an elderly gentleman, very lovely. Right away. I was like, okay, so what are you looking for? How much experience do you have? You know, how about intensity, all this kind of stuff. And he's like, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. Uh, (laughs) And um, it turned out he has a lot of experience. So he was totally fine. Uh, I gave him kind of more of a warm up type thing for like, you know, five of the minutes, let's say, because he hadn't played that evening yet. He also, it's funny, he wants me to go as hard as I possibly can, but he also doesn't want marks past 48 hours, which is common. A lot of people can't have marks for a variety of reasons. But you know, if you're like, unless you're going absolutely buck wild and your flogger is like, got, you know, the cutoff ends at the end and, you know, you're using the tips and you're like, I used a heavy doobie, heavy, heavy doobie. I feel like I've smoked a doobie. I used a heavy duty flogger. So a lot of tendrils and I use the one where the tendrils like loop back on themselves. So there's no, uh, it reduces on like cut and sting. So it's, I don't know, in my experience, it's pretty fucking hard to, you got to be wailing on someone for a long time before they're going to get marks with something like that. So, you know, I warmed him up first and he wanted on his back too, which was nice, like a back flogging rather than, you know, usually when I do impact play, it's on, on people's bums. So he wanted his back done and ended up going pretty hard. I was checking in and all that, um, you know, checking in lots, but it was pretty clear after like a couple minutes that no, he wanted like super hard. He could take super hard. So, um, we did that and it, he was a bit of a brat. It was quite funny. Um, and for you folks who aren't totally aware what that means, it's like they'll, um, it's when a sub like provokes you to intensify the scene, to amp up the intensity of the scene. So it's not just someone being a dick. It's somebody actually giving you valuable information, but they would like it harder. Right. And it's called bratting essentially like it's for the it's for subs that want to be punished and want more punishment and want you know heart want it harder or whatever but because of that dynamic that's just sometimes the best way to do it is to kind of brat a dom you know and within the role play it's like oh shit you're gonna get it for doing that you know I'm trying to remember what exactly he said 
Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so I made him count down from 10. I was like, I'm going to do 10, 10 hard hits, like really hard hits to finish the our little session. Um, so I had him, you know, I was like, smash. And he's like, 10, smash, 9, smash, 8, and go all the way down. I was hitting pretty fucking hard. Uh, and at the end, he's like, I thought you said you were going to give me hard hits. And then I was like, oh, that's it. And then I gave him like a bunch more, like a, like a lot faster, like really high intensity. I used both my hands holding on to this massive flogger. It's quite funny. I was like, I, I don't mind a bratty sub. It's fun. Like, let's have that conversation where, where it's just like an exchange of energy. Like, give me something back that I can play off of. So that's exactly what bratting does for me. So. I, I'm sure I wouldn't want a bratty sub all the fucking time because then it's like, okay, shut up. <laughs> but I was digging it from this elderly gentleman. It was quite funny. I loved it. And then I had two sessions in a row with the same gentleman, another elderly gentleman. And I won't say exactly what his disability is just because I don't want to give away super personal information in case somebody, I don't know, he wants to remain anonymous maybe and someone might you know, could maybe pick out who he is if I say specifically what it is. But anyway, he, the guy had a disability and, um, he was a little shy about it. Um, he does not have a lot of experience. He's seen, he's had a handful of protoms, which, you know, that kind of is a little experience, but he literally has no lifestyle experience like in his whole life. And he's an older gentleman. So, you know, even though he's seen a handful of prodoms, that's really not a lot of experience. So, you know, he wanted, we did a CBT scene, which was fun. I did it with a crop, which is lovely. And I had him on, we've got like this little chair with um, anchor points like on the sides. So you can kind of bind someone's hands in cuffs to the sides of the chair. So we did that and I had him just sit on the chair and like spread his legs and I was just like you know tapping with the crop and then working up and then doing some swats and um I did the countdown thing I like doing that especially in a 10 minute session it's kind of a nice way to kind of conclude that it, you know work them up to it and then do 10 like hard ones at the end and have having them count is something that I enjoy um because essentially I don't know I like them contributing to their demise if you know what I'm saying. So we did that, which was great. And then he got me for another 10 minute session to do flogging just on his bum, basically. So I got him on the spanking bench, which is, you know, that little, like a little leather bench that allows you to kneel and bend over and kind of be in that relaxed position. And then we did like a fairly mild flogging scene, which was great. And let me see, like other scenes I did that evening, I did a foot worship scene with somebody who I'd seen in a private session before, which was nice. And I remembered him. It's funny, when I saw him, I didn't remember him. But when we started our scene, I remembered him like, so quickly. I was like, oh, yeah, because he yeah, has kind of a distinct style of play. So we just did like, I had like thigh high socks on like under my boots. So we just did like a foot worship scene just with me and my stock, sock feet. <laughs> I want to say stocking feet, but it was me wearing the, th they're fairly thick socks anyways, but 
like a foot worship scene. So he did like massage and he did some like kissing on my socks and like, he just likes to like touch your, touch your feet essentially. Um, and have them on his face and have them like, he likes to like embrace them too, stuff like that. So yeah, I was like happy to play with that guy again for this little 10 minute session, which was lovely. It was also a nice break. This was like right in the middle of the party where I was wanting to like sit down and probably take off my boots for a while. (laughs) So it was kind of perfect. And let's see. Oh my God. I did a bunch of trampling scenes. I did four trampling scenes, which if you know me, you know, I love trampling. It's also very relaxing for me. Just, I don't know if that's like, it's just my style that I do a very sensual, like I, uh, I have them engage their breath and, you know, it's very connected and it's very grounded. So I I actually find those scenes like trampling the way I do trampling. I find it very relaxing to top. So it was a pleasure to do four trampling scenes. And the best part about that was the last one I did it was for two bottoms at the same time. And these were two people who are friends of mine. And I, uh, you know, we didn't have too much time left. And they both wanted to finish off with a trampling scene. And I was like, they knew each other, they know each other. And um, I was like, would you guys mind bottoming together during this trampling scene? And I could do two at once, which was fun, because that's not exactly a thing I've done before. Like, I've done it with other types of play, other types of domination for two people, but not a double trampling scene. So that was really lovely. One of the people was, like, this girl that I have a real crush on. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. I was happy that I uh, got to do a scene with her. It was very nice. It was very funny. After... um, She was like, that was like relaxing, but painful, but relaxing. (laughs) I'm like, perfect. That is exactly, (laughs) exactly what I'm looking to give you (laughs) in my type of trampling scene. It's very funny. And then another scene I did, which was super cute and fun, was a puppy play scene. I had a really great range of scenes, honestly. The big difference between, like, me working this party and me working that Christmas party was, like, the Christmas party, I did, like, all the same scenes. I did, like, all trampling and face-sitting, basically. One spanking scene, I think I did. But for this, I did so many different ones. So I did pup play, which was so cute, like, pet play, puppy play. So leash and collar, teach them a few tricks, you know, tell them they're a good little doggy, give them scratches and pets, at a little doggy bowl too for some water and they were drinking <laughs> I had them drink water from the bowl and they were kind they kinda like choked a bit or like just a little cough like coughing a little bit. <laughs> it was very funny. So I was like, Oh, Zaki have a hard time drinking out of its bowl. <laughs> it was very cute. I adore pup play. I just love like the way pups look at you, like human pups, well, real puppies too, I love it too, but just like that, like, completely open expression, it's just so endearing, like, just so stupid, you know what I mean? Like, so, so cute and clueless, like, it's so cute. 
Like, I asked them something right at the beginning of the scene, and they were like, yes, I mean, arf. <laughs> and then just that dumb expression. I was like, oh my god. You are killing me. <laughs> so cute. Oh my god. And then, okay, I did a, f- a fun um, supervised cage scene. Like, supervised cage visit, I think they technically call it. But it's like cage confinement so it's just putting someone in a cage and sitting there with them um and you can be doing anything like this scene could look like a lot of different ways but um you know some want to be totally silent in the cage and just kind of experience that and just you're sitting beside them and monitoring them or whatever or role play can be happening humiliation can be happening like whatever you want so this guy (laughs) who he's very he was like very funny it was really funny so I put him in the cage and locked him up and then I like sat on the floor beside the cage with him and he was just like cracking jokes essentially (laughs) like that's so funny we had a really funny back and forth like oh my god he was like a little stand-up comedian it was very entertaining I'm sure I went over 10 minutes with that one because I was just having a blast. This guy was just so ridiculous. (laughs) And I was just fucking with him, you know, as one does. Oh, it was fun. Oh, yeah. And then I did um, a breath play scene. So, you know, I kind of had a little trampling in there, but... I did the essentially I did a trampling scene with him and it's very funny. This guy, okay. I know him from the last I haven't done a private session with him, but I did mini sessions with him for the Christmas party previously. So he likes trampling. And what's funny about this guy is like he talks like a really big game. But then when you start trampling him, he is just like like he is just like moaning and groaning. Meanwhile, it's like, dude, I'm barely putting any weight on you. <laughs> so it's just, it's funny. And not not that I'm saying that, like, him moaning and groaning and huffing and puffing is, like, meaning he's actually finding it hard. Like, he may just like being uh, verbal in the scene, you know? Like, it doesn't mean what I'm getting at. I'm not judging him for being a fucking sissy, but... It's just funny that he does talk a really big game. And then he's like moaning and groaning under like barely anything. It's quite funny. And I'm also not judging it because like somebody moaning and growing, groaning and like reacting like like the real like actual auditory reactions is very fun for me. So like I don't want somebody to be super stoic and holding in sounds and stuff when I'm trampling them like make noise like it's because it gives again it like gives me something to work with right so you know I can because then you know if they're into kind of a humiliation slant then like you know I can be making fun of them for doing that or I can be like oh you know it just gives me material essentially to riff off of (laughs) if we're talking about comedy then That's exactly what he's doing. Like, so he's giving me something to work with, which is great. So anyways, so I did a trampling scene with him. And then he asked if I did breath play. And I'm like, yes, I for sure do. 
And then, like, breastplate and trampling is, like, very... They're very married. It's all... Because trampling, a lot of, of trampling... Like, if you're doing it on your chest, like, that's restricting breath, right? So that is connected to that. Like, essentially to me, I'm like, trampling is breath play, buddy. Like, I was sitting on your chest, so that's, you know. But I, you know, what he was referring to and what most people refer to when they mean breath play is, like, that you're actually putting your hand, like, over their mouth or over their nose or you're smothering them like in that way, like with something over their face, covering their face, which, you know, is not trampling. That's not a trampling scene. But so what I did, we did a trampling scene and then he wanted to do a breath play, breath play scene. So then he gave me another ticket, like for another 10 minutes. So I kind of like coupled the two because again, in my head, they like go really well together. So I would like sit on his chest but with my legs like over his face and I like held his head like up into my legs so that I'm like smothering him like between my legs essentially. So I was like really tightly like holding him like that and then letting him go have a break and then doing it again. And I did a couple different ways. Like I smothered him in my like elbow, you know, at one point while I was on top of him or behind him or something, but like I coupled the two. So I was like kind of on him and then I put some body part over his face (laughs) so that he could, uh, and it's not usually like completely stopping them from breathing. It's just making it difficult for them to breathe. And Hey, some people are really into that. So there you go. And, uh, yeah, he was like, he was like telling me that he had done, you know, played with red, red diamond is like, our muscle queen. Like she does muscle worship. She does wrestling. She does all the, like she does lifting. Like she lifts guys up overhead and she like, is like a former bodybuilder or wrestler. I'm actually going to have her on the podcast. I hopefully, ideally, because I would love to hear her actual story of like her actual background, because I know she does have some sort of a background with either wrestling or bodybuilding or some sort of martial art. Like she's got a lot of skills when it comes to, um, beating up men. (laughs) So he was like going on and on about like, oh yeah, you know, I, I play with Lady Red and did it and I'm like, Lady Red would literally kill you. Um, if like you're having a hard time with me on top of you, oh my God, I can just imagine what would be happening. I would love to be a fly on the wall for that scene where Lady Red is on top of this guy. Oh my God. Very funny. So one scene actually, which is really nice. So it was another trampling scene, but this was a woman who it it looked like she just showed up like by herself, like as a single person, she's like a smallish lady and good for her. I mean, really good for her because like, I'm not sure if it was like this with every Dom that she sessioned with, but for me, she was like, I'm really new to kink and I don't know what I want to do. So I said this earlier, like some people come and they're just like, you know, do a scene with me. Like, what's your thing that you like to do and try it on me and we'll see if I like it basically. Right. So I was like, great. 
uh, let's do a trampling scene. Or I asked her if she had done a trampling scene yet. Trampling scene yet uh, at the party, and she was like, "No, what's that?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, <laughs> come into my office. I will show you." And I did like a very light, uh, sensual trampling scene. And she loved it. She was like, apparently, I really like sensual trampling. I'm like, yes, you do. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) For real good for her. Like, she sessioned with, I think, like, most of the house doms. I saw her doing a Violet Wand scene, like, Electro Stim, E-Stim. So good for her for, like, getting it, you know? If you want to do it, like, really. I I know there's a lot of fear and stigma and just like there's so much unknown about taking that leap and going and seeing a pro dom or going to an event like this I'm sure there are so many reasons that people don't go to these types of events I'm sure there are a lot of people that are just absolutely not into it but I feel like there are so many people that are curious about kink and just don't know how to start or they don't Yeah, just don't know anyone that's into it, don't have any resources, are just kind of alone, and they just, it just never happens. Like, I see so many clients that are older, like way older, and they've just started exploring sexuality, essentially. And like, honestly, good for this woman. She was there by herself. She had no experience. And she was just, like, showing up ready to try new things. Like, bra fucking vo. Honestly. Because it does take balls. It do take nerve. (laughs) Alrighty. And that wraps up our Patreon episode preview so again if you uh like that little episode there that's basically what i get up to on the patreons so you can subscribe if you like that at patreon.com slash the bedpost show and that wraps up our episode for today i hope you enjoyed our mix of you know an interview and some uh, real-life erotica readings, and um, a bit of a solo ep from yours truly. So, uh, yeah, I'll just do my regular signing out. I'll let you know. Um, Unfortunately, my bedpost Instagram got deleted, so the best place to follow uh, me for bedpost events is facebook.com slash bedposterotica. There's also bedpost.ca, my email is thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com. If you are in the GTA and want to check out the Bedpost stage show, that happens the third Friday of every month at 8pm at the Social Capital Theatre. If you'd like to follow my pro-doming platforms, I'm at theladypim1 both on Instagram and Twitter, though I'm a lot more active on Twitter. Last but not least, we have original music here on the podcast that is by Stephanie Copeland. So if you'd like to check out the rest of her stuff, that is at stephcopelandmusic.com. 
Thank you once again, everyone, for listening. And we will see you next week where we are getting back to back to the usual, back to the OG with another fantastic guest here in the studio. So thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!